I want to talk tonight about, uh, about evangelism, power evangelism. And I want to talk a little bit about um, just, uh, just some teaching about power evangelism and what it is, what it isn't, um, how to really flow in that. What, you know, just really taking a good look at that and how we're actually invited in this kingdom to live naturally, supernaturally. So I want to pray, and we're going to go ahead and get in. You guys good with that? Thank you, Father, for just your presence. Yeah, thank you. You're so amazing, Lord. I pray that there be hearts in a hundredfold mode. Yeah, I pray that hearts are in a hundredfold mode, that they receive and that they bear a hundredfold fruit, Lord God, after what is about to be shared tonight, Lord. So all the, the skeptic, skepticisms, all the familiarity, I, we, we cast that aside and may we receive what you have for us to receive tonight, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. You run the show through me. Move me out the way if you have to. You run the show through me and may you awaken what you need to awaken. Emerge how you want to emerge. We pray, Father. We're not just saying to have your way, just to say have your way. We, we really mean it. This is your thing, Lord God. You are, you are the star of this thing. We, we, we focus our attention on you and what you have for us tonight for such a time as this. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. 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 So <clears throat> I... Uh, if we, if we, when we learn, guys, uh, when it comes to power evangelism, we have to learn to be. We talked about understanding our identity earlier. If you, did, if you missed it, please go back and, and check it out. We love, and actually go check out Scott's talk as well too, because it coupled well together. It gave a both and approach to evangelism. It was amazing. It was amazing. But if you, if you weren't here today, go check out the talk. I'm not going to review too much of that talk, but we must learn to be before we do because it's, it's understanding who we are. It's understanding how God has loved us and so therefore we can be loved and therefore we can be compelled by love and when we're compelled by love, all we want to do is give it away. When we are compelled by the love of God, we just want to give it away. But we have to understand who we are. Because if we don't understand who we are, then we're going to do evangelism out of works. Let me, let me repeat that to the people who are talking to me. If we don't know who we are, we're going to be doing evangelism out of works. But so we have to understand who we are first, right? It's not I who live, but Jesus Christ who lives in me and the life I live in the flesh. I live by faith to the Son of God who died for me, who loved me so much, who died for me. And as a result thereof, I'm going to do anything and everything I can because I'm compelled by love. I'm going to do anything and everything I can to make sure that everybody else understands this love and gets a piece of this love. <laughs> 
So if you are compelled by the love of God, you're going to do evangelism naturally. What's evangelism? What's evangelism? Evangelism is basically revealing the heart of the Father. Jesus did evangelism everywhere he went. What did he do? He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. You can, you can, you can fill in the blanks. Okay, let me repeat that. Okay, I only do what I see the Father and I only say what I see the Father he, he didn't ever do anything out of step of the Father. All he did was reveal the heart of the Father. He was doing evangelism, revealing the heart of the Father. When we go out and do evangelism, all we're doing is revealing the heart of the Father because we're compelled by the love of God. It's because of the natural overflow of my heart. I want to go out and, and try to be Jesus to a dying world. Does that make sense? Evangel. What's evangel mean? Let's look at the root word evangel. Good tidings. Good tidings or good news. Okay? An evangelist is a person delivering, delivering good tidings or good news. Hark! I bring glad tidings with great joy, right? Hark! Peep game. Behold. Real talk. Listen to what I'm about to say. I'm giving you some good news. And I want to give it to you. And, and here's the deal. The heart, that's the heartbeat of evangelism because I'm overflowing with the love of God, the love of the Father that he gave me. I'm compelled to give his love away to others. Freely I receive, freely I give. So hark, I'm giving you glad tidings. I'm giving you good news with great joy because I've been smitten by the Father and now I'm going to smitten you with the love of God. That's the heartbeat of evangelism. So when you're evangelizing, you are either proclaiming the good news of the gospel or you are demonstrating the good news of the gospel. Or you are basically sharing or showing or delivering, I should say, delivering somebody to somebody to somebody to somebody who's going to share the good news of the gospel. Some people just really don't feel like they can do this stuff, but you can. But when you are evangelizing, you're basically exposing somebody somehow in some capacity to the gospel. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my mom, she was a beast. She, everybody, I thought everybody she talked to, I thought everybody she talked to gave their life to Jesus. For real. I'm like, you are not safe from a blessing around my mama. She will get you. Man, and I was in middle school, and this guy was like talking to me. I was like, "Hey, you know, um, you you uh, you want to hear about Jesus? You know, out of, out of nowhere. You know, you want to hear about Jesus? It's like, sure. Like, what do you mean? It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a mom. My mom would love to talk to you about Jesus. And I knew, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. If my mom got a hold of this guy, he was giving his life right there, Jimmy, on the spot, son." You know what I'm saying? Like, this guy. So I'm like, come on, come, come with me. Just come with me. Come and see. Like, Philip, you know what I'm saying? Come and see my mama. <laughs> Who's going to tell you about Jesus? And he came. And I went in. And I'm like, Mom. She was laying. She's sitting on the, um, the sofa, you know, curling up her hair. You know, black mamas, they curl up their hair. You know what I'm saying? They just they curl it up every night, you know what I'm saying? And so anyway, she was curling up her hair, and she was like, oh, yeah, come on in. Come on in. It's like, oh, you want to know about Jesus, huh? That boy was on his knees weeping about five minutes later. <laughs> I was like, I told you. 
I told you, don't mess with my mama. My mama, she got it. She got it. Was I doing evangelism? Sure, I was doing evangelism. I didn't feel like it's articulate and as, is this whatever, whatever. That's, that's fine. I grew into that. Thing is, is don't stop. When you do evangelism, don't stop. Keep pressing in. Right? Right? So I, you know, here I am leading people to Jesus left and right now, but I didn't stop there. But you can tell people, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Come to church with me. Meet, meet John and Debbie Wright. They'll talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> I'm playing around. <laughs> don't, there'll be a line. <laughs> don't do that. Okay. That was a joke. But do it. Okay. They said do it. If it was me, listen, I'm going to teach y'all. I'm going to equip the saints to do the work of an evangelist. So, so here we go. But, uh, but listen, the real talk. If you invite people to church, invite them to church. If you don't feel like confident enough. Invite them to your Bible study. Invite them. And then when you want to build, if you have that equity, then go in. Talk about it. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There's none. This is an invitation. This is not an ordination. Does that make sense? So let's, let's, let's go. We, but we're asking you that if you are on one level, just keep pressing into another and take risk. And if, if, you're if you're comfortable with that level, then go uncomfortable and take risk. Because they don't make no sense to live comfortably comfortable. You must live uncomfortably comfortable. Because if you're living comfortably comfortable, there's no need for the comforter, Holy Spirit. And so therefore, you need to keep pressing in and keep taking risk. But there's no condemnation if you don't take risk. Because Jesus loves you all the more. It's all good. Does that make sense? Some of y'all looking at me like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Clay. You kind of, you I don't know, man. We're going to keep moving on, okay? If, if, if I'm going too fast, someone give me a sign like this. Just, just do like that, like slow down, okay? Because sometimes I can talk fast, all right? I don't want no language barrier going on here. Everybody was like, we passed that, cuz. <laughs> we passed that, bro. 2 Timothy 4, 5 teaches us this. I want to go ahead and, um, and read this real quick. It says this, as for you, this is context, context. This is Paul talking to Timothy, okay? Timothy is his spiritual son. Paul was a spiritual father, and he's basically giving him some, some feedback, some good feedback for him to apply in his life. Check it out. It says this, as for you, my son, always be sober-minded, Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. He is saying, and I want to hone in on this. Okay, they lost. Okay. I want to hone in on the phrase, do the work of an evangelist. Because, yeah, there we go. Do the work of an evangelist. You know, and then fulfill your ministry. He had a ministry. Timothy had a ministry. He was the lead, he's the lead pastor of a, of, a, of a thriving church, but he 
also told them to do the work of an evangelist. Don't forget the fact that you have to do the work of an evangelist. Why? Because you have good news to share with other people. There is a non-negotiable in this thing that we still have as sons and daughters an opportunity and even, dare I say, a responsibility to do the work of an evangelist everywhere we go. Oh, but Clay, I'm not wired as an evangelist, bro. That's Scott. That's you all day. It don't matter. Why? Because what's it say in Ephesians 4.11? It says, God gave the apostles and prophets, uh, evangelists is in there in the third, sandwiched in, pastors and teachers, fivefold ministry, Ephesians 4.11. Why? Because Christ gave these as gifts to the church to equip the church for work of ministry. What's evangelist's job? To equip the saints for the work of an evangelist to equip the saints to do the work of an evangelist. Not that you are an evangelist, because there may be differing evangelists. He, Paul, or, uh, Scott talked about how he was a reaping evangelist. There's a sowing evangelist. There's a lot of different evangelists. Awesome. But we're talking about doing the work of an evangelist, and that's a different story. So impo- important to know, as Paul exhorts Timothy to do the work of an evangelist, I want to I also make a point that in Paul's day, what Paul was talking about was not just a work of an evangelist with no power. He was talking about power evangelism. Because power evangelism, that was, that was implied, automatically implied back in the day. Power evangelism was, was implied, but it lost its sting, it, it lost its meaning throughout the years. To today, we don't really associate evangelism with a power evangelism. We have to, we have to say it's power evangelism. No, it, it, and there's a, there's a distinct difference if that makes sense. But power evangelism connects the demonstration and proclamation, the proclamation and demonstration. And why, why is that important? Because we were designed to live Naturally, supernatural lifestyles in the kingdom. Remember what it says in 1 Corinthians 4.20. The kingdom of heaven is not consists of just talk, but of power. Show me the power because power authenticates that you are a believer because signs and wonders follow those that believe. So naturally, supernatural lifestyle is, is, is who we are. It's our birthright when it comes to living in the kingdom. Luke 9, 1 through 2. Turn there real quick with me. If you want to click there, I want to go there real quick, and I want to talk a little bit about how Jesus commissioned, how Jesus commissioned us. Luke 9, 1 through 2. So, It says this, and he called the 12 together, his disciples, and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and, someone say and, and to heal. To proclaim the kingdom of God, proclamation, and to heal, demonstration. We can't forget that. We have a proclamation. We have demonstration. But check it out. I want to hone in on the terms power and authority. 
Power and authority, they're two different things. Okay, so power is the ability to do something, and authority is the position or right to do the thing that you were given the power to do. Let me go ahead and give an example, okay? So say you got a cop. What do you call them, Bobbies out here? What y'all laughing at? I'm asking y'all a question. Y'all call them Bobbies? Is that a bad thing? Is that a bad thing? What, what do I get that from? Okay, I got that from somebody. You, you call them cops? Policemen. Thank you. Help a brother out up here. Y'all just laughing at me. Okay. So say, so say policemen. But, no, I mean. <laughs> Good job. So, so say you have a policeman who's, who, who's positioned as a policeman. Why? Because he has the authority of a policeman. Policemen have certain powers. They can stop you and give you a ticket. They can take your butt to jail. They can do a lot of different things within their jurisdiction, their power. The reason why they can do that is because they've been given authority. The reason why they have authority is because they've been vetted. They went through a process. They had to take some tests. They had to take aptitude tests. They had to do things in order to get education. They had to go through all kinds of hoops to get to the authority to get to give to get the authority to be a police officer to be authorized as a police officer and with that position came inherent powers okay so if police officer stopped you they had sirens they got sirens right you know what i mean and woo 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 and it, bam they stop you and you have to stop and slow down and you pretty much are you know you're rolling your window down like i'm going old school because i'm going you know it's not the you know i'm Yes, officer, you got caught speeding. Oh, snap. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what I was doing and thinking. Oh, I was going 20 over? My goodness. Oh, that's crazy. You're getting a ticket, and you're moving on. It's not a cool situation to be in, but they have the authority and power to do that. But what if it's, what if it's your, your friend? What if your friend just dressed up as a police officer and got in the squad car and tried to have fun and stop you? And so you're rolling the window down, you see it's your friend, you're like, yo, hold on. Bro, what are you doing? What are you doing? You trying to give me a ticket? Get out of here. You rolling that window back up, you out. The reason why is because he has no authority, henceforth no power to give you that ticket. And so you're going to laugh at this dude and you're going to be like, peace, I'm out. Right? You're not taking no ticket from him. He's playing games. Same thing with anything. But God said, hey, I gave you power. I gave you authority. To do what? Over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. That means that that the demons know that you have power, know you have authority. But do you know it? If you are in him, and he is in you. If you have died with Christ and you've been raised with Christ and you are in him, hidden in him, this right here is for you. You have power. You have authority over all demons, over all demons to cure all diseases, to cure all pain, suffering, and all that, to heal, and also to preach power and authority to preach the gospel. 
In, um, in Acts 19, I love this. Oh, man, this is a good one. In Acts 19, um, you, can clip, you can flip there or, or click there. Um, there's, a, there's an example of the sons of Sceva. Let's make this, uh, yeah. Yeah, Acts 19, uh, 11. And uh, this is really about Paul's accounts. And Paul, he was just killing it. He was doing his thing. And uh, in verse 11, it picks up here. It says, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that he had touched, that, that had touched his skin, yeah, yeah, there we go, that touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Now, that's some next-level stuff right there, for real, man. Like, I want handkerchiefs to be rubbing on me like that, and like, hey, be healed. What? Let's go. Like, that's what I want. I want to press into that, right? Let's go. Okay. And so, the, these sons, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. Now, check it out. And back in the day when Paul was doing this, all this was happening. Paul was killing it. Paul was crushing it, right? The, 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 the Jewish exorcists in the day were like peeping game. We're looking at this. We're like, yo, that is crazy. Paul's like just by the saying by the name of Jesus and people are getting healed. That's crazy. See, the Jewish exorcists, they had to go through a list of things to do before they cast out demons. They had to follow, follow a list. Oh, you got to do step A, step B, step C, step D. Or wait, y'all do it like ah, right? Step ah, ah, A, B, no? Okay. See, man, who's teaching me stuff? Someone's, someone's leading me astray, man. I'm believing it. I'm believing it. They really playing games with me, man. That's okay. Y'all got me out here looking like I'm okay. Step A, step B, step C, step D, step three, la, 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 and now you are going to be cast out. They had to go through all that. It took a while. But Paul, he brings his butt out the woodwork. He's like, hey, in the name of Jesus, I command you come out of that girl. And bam, people are coming out. Or, hey, take this hanky and go rub it on that girl's forehead. Bam. Demons are coming out. What? And they're seeing this, and they're like, their minds are blown. Like, this is crazy. So I want to try to do what Paul is doing. I want to try to step into that authority, into that power. So carries on. So the Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by... The Jesus whom Paul proclaims, seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirits answered them. Evil spirits are talking to him now through this, through this girl, okay? Evil spirits answered him saying, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the, and the man in whom the evil spirits slept on them, mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out the house naked and wounded. Them boys got their butts beat. Naked. 
one and out naked. Seven of them by one man. What? Okay. That's crazy. But the point I'm trying to make is this, is that they tried to exercise power and authority that they didn't have the right to access. But the enemy, they knew that. See, they said, Jesus, we know because we know he's the real deal. And Paul, we recognize because we understand he's true, a true son of God. And so we've got to listen to him because of Jesus. But who the heck are you? You're an imposter. You know what I mean? Like what? Listen, it's about relationship. Your power and authority was given to you because of who you are and the relationship you have with Jesus. And it's because of the relationship you have with Jesus, you can actually be commissioned with power and authority over all demons. See, the demons know you have power and authority, but do you? Do you know that? John 14, 12 reads this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whoever Truly, truly, real talk, like verily, verily, I say to you, what I'm about to tell you, you may not believe, but I'm telling you the truth. Behold, peep game, listen to what I'm about to say. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do or she will do because I am going to the Father. When I go to the Father, I'm bringing Holy Spirit. I'm bringing Holy Spirit to flood this place. And Holy Spirit's going to fill you up and actually empower you to do this stuff. And not, only the, and not only the same works I have done, but greater. With power and with authority. It took me a while, guys. It took me a while to, to really grasp that passage. I didn't believe it for, for a while because I didn't see anything. I remember I gave my life to Jesus when I was 30. When I was 30, I was living recklessly until the age of just 30. And um, I was in North Carolina. I was living in North Carolina, state out on the, you know, the East Coast. It's nice and it's, it's warm. It's, it's, you know, it's cozy out there. You know what I'm saying? It's not as cold as it is in Illinois. And it was nice. It was really good. You know, I gave my life to Jesus and I'm going all in. And I'm like, listen, I need to tell everybody in there, mama, about Jesus. So I'm running to the neighborhoods. I'm running to the stores. I'm running to the, to the schools. I'm going everywhere. I'm passing out tracks and I'm handing out mixtapes. Yeah, I said tape. Some of y'all have no idea what a tape is. <laughs> tape is like this big right here. It's clear. It had like film that, that actually played music on the film on the bottom of it. Y'all have no idea? You have no idea? Yeah, you do? Okay, so y'all know what tapes are. So it's, it's a, I know it's an artifact now. I get that. So I had a, so I had, I had a Christian hip-hop mixtapes that I would pass around, like on CDs. They call it mixtapes, but it was really on a CD. I'm not that old, Okay. So, so, so we, we, we're passing out mix, we're passing out mixed tapes on CD and passing out tracks. And I'm like, God, there's gotta be more. 
There's got to be more than just passing out tracks and, and mixtapes. Like, I, I mean, I'm talking about you. I'm saying fruit a little bit about, like, you know, just talking about what, what you've done and all that. But there's got to be more, Lord. There's got to be more. And then one day, the Lord answered my prayer. And he actually uprooted us from North Carolina and moved us to Illinois. And I went kicking and screaming the whole way. You know, don't tell God where you're not going to live. Because I told God, I'm never going to live in Illinois. And here I am going to Illinois, okay? All right, so, so here I am in Illinois. It's my new home. And my wife wanted to go to this place called the Vineyard. You want to go to the Vineyard? What's over there? Ah, oh, I feel like this is the place we need to go. And it's like, oh, okay, fine, fine. So we go to the, to the vineyard, and we're out there, and we're doing life and everything. And, and then Regina goes, my baby girl, my wife, she goes to this conference. And I'm like, all right, cool, baby girl, go ahead. Do you, do you? She came back that night raving. She's like, Clay, wake up, Clay. Wake up. You've got to go to the conference tomorrow. I'm like, what do you mean I'm going to go to a conference tomorrow? What are you talking about? I said, this guy, this, this biker dude, he came in all black, and he was talking about evangelism, and you need to meet this guy. You need to get up, and you need to go tomorrow. And I'm like, I don't got no ticket, girl. I said, you can have my ticket. Take my ticket and go in my place. And I'm like, I'm not going. What's some biker dude going to teach me about evangelism? You know, that's, that's the attitude I had. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I thought I knew it all. And she's like, Clay, listen, you've got to go. I was like, all right, all right, I'll go, I'll go, fine. So next day I went, turns out it was Robbie Dawkins. <laughs> and I'm listening to this guy talk. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that evangelism is more than just proclamation? There's proclamation and demonstration? There, there, you can actually be empowered to heal the sick? Oh my goodness, like I'm, I'm loving this, like I'm getting all giddy and everything, I'm doing a happy dance because I'm like excited, you know. This guy is just, let's write, is exactly what I needed to hear, exactly who I needed to hear. And so Robbie is going in, Robbie's going in, he's, 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 he's teaching, he's equipping, he's teaching about all kinds of things. And then at the end for ministry call, I said, okay, so I want to pray for whoever wants to be used in this way. If you want to be used like this, come on up. And I got up out of my chair and I'm running. I'm running up there. I'm like the first one up there. I was like, give me your best shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, give me all you got, man. I want this like now. And uh, Robbie, he prays for me and I'm getting filled up, filled up, filled up and everything. And then we break for lunch. And I'm like, all right, we're breaking for lunch. Now what? I'm feeling, I'm so filled up. I'm feeling so good. I'm like, you know, I'm about to go save the world. I'm about to go, everybody, there's nobody safe from a blessing. But let me go get some lunch first. So I go get lunch, get in my car. I'm riding out in my car. And uh, I see Burger King. So I'm like, all right, that sounds good. Going in Burger King. And as soon as I get to Burger King, I literally like went through those doors like I own the place, like boom, like a sheriff out here. You know what I'm saying? All y'all about to get got <laughs> by God. Nobody's safe up in here. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking around and everybody looks calm and collected. I even think there was some Christian music playing in the background. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Everybody's good. So I'll I take my butt in the line, get me. 
my Whopper sandwich combo meal and uh, go and sit down at the table. And I'm eating and I'm looking around just like, who should I pray for, God? Who should I pray? But no one looks sick. No one looks in need. No one looks, everybody looks like they're good right now. What was going on? My faith, I went in high, but my faith was giving away, giving away to fear. See, the fear of man started rising up. And I started, I like started talking myself out of praying for people. I started talking myself out of going and approaching people about the gospel, about the good news. And so I left that Burger King as like, like, like a little kid, like just like, y'all, like, oh, okay, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to go. And I felt like shame coming upon me and everything. And I felt like, oh, okay, I, I, I just blew it. I didn't have the gumption, the confidence to pray for people. So I'm like on the ride home feeling bad about myself. But who knows? There's no condemnation for those in Christ, right? So you don't have to feel bad if you don't pray for people. There's another opportunity. So I realized, okay, there's another opportunity. I'm going to just go ahead and keep going after it, keep going after it. So then about a week later, I went in and just started going to the hoods, neighborhoods, to the stores, to Walmarts, to the, to the grocery stores, to wherever I could go. And guess what happened, y'all? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing would happen. And for days, weeks, I'm pressing in. Nothing. I remember being in Chicago. I was praying for some people um, to feel his manifest presence. And I was like, hey, do you feel that? And they were like, uh, no. All right, I'm praying again. Hold on. Let me pray again. Holy Spirit, just will you come upon this person? Uh, Manifest presence come in every way in Jesus' name. Hey, how are you feeling? Uh, You feel a warmth yet? You feel a tingly? And he's like, no, I don't feel nothing, man. Said, man, not even tingle in your toes, bro. <laughs> Nothing. Like, man, goodness gracious. I'm out here looking stupid right now. God, I'm praying for people. I'm praying for the sick. Nothing's happening. I'm praying for manifest presence. Nothing's happening. Man, you got me out here looking like a clown, Lord. And I felt like the Lord said, Clay, stop your crying. Because if it was more about me and less about you, we wouldn't be having this problem. I'm like, oh, man, that's right. Okay. I, I, I went home and licked my wounds on that one. I was, I was out for probably about a few, a, a few weeks just, just in the house, just, you know, reading and studying and looking at John Wimber tapes. Uh, John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement. I'm looking at John Wimber tapes. I'm like, you know, what am I? I just want to, you know, grow in this thing. But there's something that I need to get at. There's something I need to, to grasp onto. And so, Lord, just, you know, feed me. And so here I am listening, watching John Wimber. And as I'm like watching John Wimber um, talk, about, talk about the things of, of the, uh, that he's teaching, power evangelism and all these things, at one point he was telling a story. And I remember that he was telling a story about a, a, a phrase that he got hooked on a phrase that he saw in Anaheim where this guy was wearing a sign and on the front of it, it said, I'm a fool for Jesus. On the back of it, it said, whose fool are you? And he was like, yes, I got it. That's exactly what I want to be. I want to be a fool for Jesus. And I'm listening to John Wimber share the story and I'm like, wait a minute. That's right. I can, I can be a fool for Jesus too. And, and there's, there's, in 2 Corinthians 5.13, it reminded me that there's a passage, and it reads this, for if we are beside ourselves, 
it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. And I'm like, that's right. If, if we are beside ourselves, if I give a prophetic word that doesn't hit, or if I'm pressing into a healing that's not happening, or if I'm pressing into anything that just doesn't stick, then I, it's for God. But if I press into a prophetic word and it lands, a healing and it happens, uh, anything that happens in terms of power and authority that God has commissioned us to go and, and, and press into, if anything actually you know, re- is, is realized and actualized, then that's for you. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, I've been, I've been thinking about this a little wrong. It's, it's, if, if I'm beside myself, if I look like a fool for Jesus, then it's for God and God's going to use that. But if something happens and, and everything sticks or if the healing happens, the healing takes place, then it's for you and you're blessed. And still, God gets the glory. So that's right. I'm a fool for Jesus. Whose fool are you? I'm a fool for Jesus. Whose fool are you? That's what I'm going to live the rest of this time doing. That's, that's what I'm going to be thinking and using as a mantra as I go out and press into this thing. So no matter what, I'm going to keep going after it. And so I made up my mind. I said, okay, I'm going into the worst neighborhood, the worst ghetto in the area, and I'm going to take some people. With. I'm going to let the church know that I'm going to start this urban outreach ministry. I got a church of 3,000 people, y'all. And y'all know how many people signed up? Two. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, fine. I'm taking these guys, and we're going to go. And we went into the neighborhood, and every week, week after week, every Thursday, we're out there in the hood, and we're praying for people. And I'm talking about there's, man, prostitutes, there was hustlers, there was gangsters, there were all kinds of these people out there. And I was like, you know what, I don't care. I'm going to put Jesus' love to the test in the worst, darkest area in the neighborhood, and I'm just going to go. Let's go. And so I took my guy, and we went into the hood, and... They're like, yo, what you doing out here, man? It's like, yo, we just out here praying for people. We, we believe that Jesus heals today. We want to prove that today. And they're like, all right, whatever, whatever. You know, and so I was asking, hey, you need any prayer? You know, do you need any prayer? Do you need any prayer? People were like, no, nah, I'm good, I'm good. Well, eventually I started praying for people. And, you know, that was a good thing. I'm praying for people, but nothing's happening. I'm praying for healing. Nothing's happening. I'm praying for just something to happen. Nothing's happening. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'm a fool for Jesus. Whose fool are you? I went back home. Let's try it next week. Next week comes. I go out again. And same people, same time, you know. And they're like, yo, weren't you out here last week? Yo, what are you doing? Say, hey, I believe that Jesus heals today, and, they, and I want to prove that right now. I want to prove that today. And they were like, well, you know, I don't know if he's healing, bro. Like, ah, well, I'm a, you know, I, I want to pray for you anyway. So I'm praying for people. We're praying for everybody in the neighborhood again. Nothing happening. Nothing's going on. And I'm like, all right, God, I'm a fool for Jesus. Who's fool of you? I'm a fool. Next week comes, the same thing happens. Nothing happened. People are like laughing at me. People are like mocking me. People are jeering me like, yo, weren't you that guy? Like, what are you doing out here, bro? Like, they were just giving me a hard time. But I was like, yo, I'm, I'm just want to faithfully, you know, prove to you that Jesus is the real deal today. And he wants to heal his people. He wants to touch his people today. I'm like, all right, whatever, whatever. So, but nothing would happen week after week. And then the fourth week came. And I remember looking out the window, thinking to myself, you know what, I'm not going out. 
Like, there's no way I'm going to go out to the same place with the same people and look like a fool again. And then I heard that phrase again. You know what? I'm a fool for Jesus. Who's fool are you? So like, yeah, all right, I'm going to go out. Let's go. And so we went out for the fourth week. And this week was a little different. So I walk into the neighborhood and, you know, seeing the same people and doing the same things. And I'm praying and praying. And there was this house that was, uh, this apartment that was open. And I was always walking by. I said, hey, guys, hey, y'all need prayer for anything? They, they recognized me from like the weeks prior. And they were like, no, nah, we're good. They were just trying to be nice because nothing ever happens when I pray, you know. They were just trying to be nice. So I, I'm like, okay, fine, you know. So, but you can come in and, you know, you can come in and hang out. So I, we came in. We, we talked with them a little bit. And, they, you know, there's one lady doing hair. Uh, and there were like two other ladies around the table. And they were just chilling. It was a nice summer evening, and we're out there just talking, small talk, and all of a sudden, I felt this like twinge on the lower, my lower right side of the back that went and shot to the middle, and I thought to myself, wait a minute, this ain't my pain, but I remember Robbie teaching us about sympathy pains, and how sympathy pains are pains that you feel in your body that may be not, not, may, not, may not be your pain, but may be a pain that someone else has around you. And to check in on that and to, to lean in on that. And so I thought, okay, that's interesting. So then the very next thing I said, I've never said a day in my life. I said, excuse me, does anybody have pain in their back shooting from their lower back to the center of their back? And one girl that was doing, the girl that was doing hair, she looked at me so fast, I thought her neck was going to crack or something. She looked at me, she's like, how did you know? And I'm like, whoa, wait, wait a minute. And in, 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 in the instance, I was shocked. I was like, wait a minute, this is crazy. But the very next thing that came out of my mouth, I never said before. I said, hey, um, I believe that Jesus wants to heal you right now. And have you ever said anything that you wish you could just take back? Like, oh, okay, wait a minute, wait, 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 psych, I'm just playing around. Like, I don't know where that came from. But I couldn't take it back because she was standing up like, yeah, let's go. She even assumed the position on me, okay? I'm like, what the heck? You go to Vineyard too? <laughs> so, so she stood up on me and like said, okay, I'm ready. And at this point, my heart's beating fast, y'all. Like, boom, boom. Boom, 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 boom. Like, God, this, this, is, this better work, Lord. You know what I'm saying? This, this better work right here. Do not hear me out here looking stupid, Lord. So here I am. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to put my hand on your back. And I put my hand on the back, and I pray a simple prayer, command prayer. I say, thank you, Jesus, for your healing power. I command this pain in this lady's back to leave now in Jesus' name. And I back away. I'm like, all right, how do you feel? And I'm like getting faster. Boom, 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 boom. Like I'm scared right now because I'm like, God, come on, God, you better come through right now. Like I'm, and she's like bending over like, like, like touching her toes and everything, moving around. And she's like, wait a minute. Oh my God. Oh. It's like, oh my God. Oh my, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's God because it ain't me, sis. It, it ain't me. And she's like, oh, my God, who are you, a prophet or something? And I'm like, well, what, what, what's going on? What, what's going on? And I was like, I don't feel no pain. I'm completely healed. 
Hey, Nathan, Joe, Nathaniel, everybody, get out here. We got a man of God in the house right now, and I want every one of y'all to get prayer today. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought just a minute ago you didn't want prayer. Now you want everybody to come in and get prayer? What's going on? Guys, when the the power of God shows up, everything changes. Everything changes. And so she's she's all checking out her back, and I'm praying for people, and I'm left and right, and and, and eventually we're we're, we're, we're done praying. About 30 minutes later, I'm done praying. We're blessing everything, and they're just opening their hearts to Jesus right there on the spot in that house. And so as soon as we leave that, that, that house, I'm like skipping for joy. I'm happy. I'm happier um, than, than I mean, I'm just a happy camper. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just going, I'm like, yes, we got one. We got one. We got one. And I'm with my guy and we're walking through the, the hood and we're looking for someone else to pray for. And we saw two ladies coming up to us. And these two ladies that came up to us, I'm like thinking to myself, I think, I th- I think I'm supposed to pray for him. And we approached him and said, excuse me, do you want prayer? And as soon as I said that, I felt the pain shoot up from my elbow to my, to my forearm, back to my elbow. And I thought, oh, man, this is sympathy pain again. And I said, hey, does anybody have pain in their forearm that shoots up to their, you know, their, 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 from elbow to the forearm, back to the elbow? And then I started ad-libbing. Then I started, like, adding things. Like, and it hurts when you actually lift things even, even more. And they were like, oh, my goodness, how did you know? Are you a prophet or something? Like, no, I'm just a son of God who loves Jesus. Hey, can I pray for you right now? And I prayed for her. And after the first prayer, I was like, hey, check out your pain. And she checked it out. And she's like, oh, my gosh, the pain left. Are are you a prophet? Like, what's going on? Like, no, I'm not a prophet. But then she's like, hey, do you interpret dreams? And I'm like, why not? You know what I mean? Like, I, I might as well, I'm on a roll, right? See, so like, my friend, my friend here has, has a dream that she's had for a long time, and it's like keeping her up at night. Hey, tell her the dream. And she told me the dream, and I felt like, and I, and I thought God gave me a little something to share to her about the dream. And then waterworks, tears. I'm like, wow. So we prayed over her. They both opened their heart to Jesus right there in the streets of the worst neighborhood in the city. And I thought to myself, okay, what's going on? Not one person got healed that day. Not two people got healed. Not three people got healed, but four people got healed plus a dream interpretation, y'all, that day. And that was the first time I ever saw the Lord actively doing things in my life. But in John 14, 12, it says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. I never saw anybody got healed, get healed, get touched, nothing until that day. It took me a minute to press in. I never interpret interpreted dreams before until that day, and now I'm seeing things happening. And today, I have my foot on the gas pedal, and I've just floored it because I'm seeing more and more than I ever thought I could possibly imagine to where I'm seeing MRSA get healed, cancer get healed, people get up from wheelchairs, people get up from their deathbed, get healed. And I'm thinking to myself, whoa, God, what is going on? And I believe there's way more in store. 
I believe that there's so more in store. I believe that I'm only scratching surface. See, power evangelism is about the demonstration and the proclamation. Proclamation and the demonstration of this thing. And if you really are taking, taking to heart, John 14, 12, if you really take it, you're listening to that truly, truly, verily, verily, listen to what I'm going to say because you may not feel like it. You may not feel this is true. You may not see that this may be true in your life, but it is true. It says this, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than, he, than these will he do, will she do because I'm going to the Father. I put my life on this passage I put my life on this passage. It's so settled in my heart that I want to press in to see even more fruit, even more people get healed, even more people wake up from death, wake up from pain, get, get freed from bondage in every way, shape, form. I want the mandate that was on Jesus Christ's life, that still is on Jesus Christ's life, the Isaiah 61 mandate, where he says, it says there that he was sent to deliver and proclaim freedom to the captives. I want to deliver freedom to the captives. I want to deliver, I want to set people free from their imprisonment or whatever, whatever the case may be. We have the power, we have the light. Why? Because we've been given power and authority, authority and power to go and do the works and do the things that Jesus did. 